Let's please kindly move forward. Ensure there's no gaps in between. Be mindful of those who are completing their sunnah sisters as well. In your spots, kindly move forward and sit together in the prayer hall. Let's try our best to sit with at absolute uh, talab and respect to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the more humility and humbleness we have in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book, the more we will be able to walk away with. <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, we begin today uh, a new a chapter, a new surah. And we ask Allah azza wa to allow it to become a new chapter in our lives. Whatever we heard in the past 14 sessions, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to put that into practice. And now that we are here beginning a new series here, Surah Al-Qasas, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this as well to bring a, a massive change within us. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Allahumma alimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima'allamtana. Wa zidna ilman wa amala. Allahumma nawar qulubna bi'ilmik. Wa istamil abdana la ita'atik. Wa wafiqna lima tuhibu wa tarda min qawli. Wal amali wal fi'li wal niyati wal huda innaka ala kulli shayin qadir. Ya wahabu ya wahabu ya wahab. Ya fatahu ya fatahu ya fatah. Ya jabbaru ya jabbaru ya jabbar. Allahumma nawar qulubna bi'ilmik. اللهم افتح أقفال قلوبنا بذكرك وأتمم علينا نعمتك ورحمتك أمين رب العالمين Let us all renew our intentions as we sit in front of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ya Allah, we are thirsty, we are hungry for your deen, we are hungry for your hidayah Ya Allah, this Qur'an is the ultimate source of all guidance Ya Allah, allow, it, allow the Qur'an and the words of yours to become a means of guiding us in all the affairs that we are confused in all the affairs that we don't know what to do Ya Allah, allow us to find the nur of the Qur'an and the nur of Iman. Allow us to be led by that. And all of us should also make this intention that Ya Allah, uh, what, I, what exactly do I need in my life and what are the pitfalls that I am going through and the difficulties I'm going through. The solution, the, my problem as well as the solution is in your knowledge. Ya Allah, allow me to hear and share such things today that will be a, a treatment for my own spiritual diseases. And there will be a treatment for and an answer to any and all difficulties that I may be going through in my life. Due to the level and com- comparable to the level of sincerity we have in our dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah azza wa will then allow us to really truly benefit immensely. The, the, uh, the surah that we will inshallah begin with, Surah Al-Qasas. بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم طاسيم تلك آيات الكتاب المبين نتلو عليك من نبأ موسى وفرعون بالحق لقوم يؤمنون إن فرعون على في الأرض وجعل أهلها شيعا يستضعف طائفة منهم يذبح أبناءهم ويستحي نساءهم إنه كان من المفسدين ونريد أن نمن على الذين استضعفوا في الأرض ونجعلهم أئمة ونجعلهم أئمة ونجعلهم الوارثين وَنُمَكِّنَ لَهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَنُرِيَ فِرْعَوْنَ وَهَامَانَ وَجُنُودَهُمَا وَنُرِيَ فِرْعَوْنَ وَهَامَانَ وَجُنُودَهُمَا مِنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَحْذَرُونَ 
this surah has is mentioned in the Quran with 88 verses a surah all of it is Makkiyah revealed in Mecca except for one ayah which was revealed on the way out between Mecca and Medina in an area called Juhfa when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was leaving Mecca and he was very sad at his departure and Allah revealed the verses Indeed the Lord Allah who has revealed to you and obligated and given you the Quran He's gonna bring you back here at an appointed time So that verse was revealed outside of Mecca But besides that this surah was revealed in Mecca the rest of it And it is a surah that is um, that is mentioned in the Quran after Surah An-Naml in the order after Surah An-Naml which we covered last year and so not only is it in the Mus'haf after Surah An-Naml but also in terms of the re- of revelation the order of revelation it was revealed after Surah An-Naml and before Surah Al-Isra this surah was revealed at a time when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Muslims were going through a lot of difficulty in Makkah Al-Mukarramah and they were going through oppression at the hands of the mushrikeen and the spirits at times you know would get low people would get tired of the uh, the uh, stress and the punishment and the torture physical spiritual mental whatever you want to call it every single type of torture that the mushrikeen would put the muslims through so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would reveal verses from time to time to console them and to give them strength and this is why I said we chose to, read, to, to, to start our journey with Surah Al-Qasas. Because I think this is the time when a portion of the Ummah is definitely going through the uh, most horrific of, of, of crimes and the most horrific of torture. So physically and emotionally and uh, uh, every other sense, financially of course, are, are being pushed to the brinks. But the rest of us, who although we have the comfort of our homes, alhamdulillah, and peace and everything else but simply listening to this news and watching certain things is also taking a toll on a, on a Muslim who cares about the, the well-being of other Muslims those who don't care let's leave them but all of us alhamdulillah who care about the well-being of humans and the well-being of Muslims it definitely takes a toll when you watch and listen and hear all that that's going on so we are also in need of Bishara. We are also in need of hearing glad tidings. We are also in need of hearing things that will strengthen us. So what better time than now to start the study of Surah Al-Qasas, which is exactly just for that, antidote to the feeling of, of being overwhelmed, the feeling of, of sadness, the feeling of, of, of being fatigued. This surah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it, as I said, was on the heart of the Prophet ﷺ to serve as a tasalli, to serve as a means of easing the suffering that Muslims and the Prophet ﷺ were going through at that time at the hands of the disbelievers. There are two main stories in the surah. One is the story of Musa and Fir'aun. And one is the story of Musa and Qarun. Fir'aun he is a representative of Sultan Power Political power, political might That's what Fir'aun represents And Musa alayhi salam's meeting up with Qarun This is the 
amplifying and manifestation of wealth, power of money, power of material things, power of material things, power of money. So you have political power and financial power, two big powers that exist till today. And here you have a ma'rika and a battle between Musa, the embodiment of truth, the embodiment of justice, the embodiment of the right side of history, the embodiment of rights and virtue in this world as a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala up against two major forces, a corrupt force of political power and a corrupt force of financial power. And what is the khulasa and the gist of this entire surah? That there is only one true power in this world. There's only one true superpower in this world. And of course, that superpower and haqiqi strength is the strength of iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is only one true standard, and that is a standard of good character. There is one and only one true power, and that is the power of a dayan, Malikul Mulk, the king of all kings, the one to, to whom you and I all have to return one day. So the gist of it is if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you, who can harm you? And if Allah is against you, who can come and save you? Ida kan Allahu ma'aka faman alayk wa ida kan Allahu alayka faman ma'ak. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ma'aka with you, faman alayk, who could possibly ever mess with you? And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is against you, then who could possibly come to your assistance? So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah brought a fight in, in, in uh, the you know, cage between not two equals, between not two people who are of the similar weight and not from two people who come from a similar strength background, but from the strongest in the cage with the weakest put together. You wouldn't expect them to be facing off one another 10 miles away. But here they are right in each other's literally face. What are these two powers? The power of the greatest king of that time whose strength and power made him so arrogant that he dare claimed divinity. That's the strength we're speaking about. And faced with who? Face with a newborn baby. A newborn baby. What power could be weaker than that? What human could be weaker than a brand new one week old baby? And they are now face to face. Eyes meeting eyes. Asiya holding him. Nabi Musa. And saying, please, can we adopt him? And imagine Fir'aun is looking at him. Right in his eyes trying to figure out, is this the force I should be afraid of? Is this possibly the interpretation of the dreams? What is this? He's looking at this. And honestly, that's the beginning of the fight that lasts for decades. Little does anyone know how this story will end before it ended. That this young baby will one day actually grow up to be a young man 
for decades will be taken care of by the same greatest powerful force. And then you'll return once back, leave and then return once back to invite him towards Hidayah and Islam. And then this man, king, most powerful force of the world, will choose to turn his back to the message of the Prophet, to the message of this young baby once upon a time. And then a showdown will happen. Many different layers of showdowns will happen between the magicians and so forth. It's a long, powerful, beautiful story. But it, what will it end with? It will be end with one day this prophet and this young baby who has now become a big prophet running with his nation and coming across a sea that will miraculously turn into sand and land. And he will cross over. And then miraculously once again, it will turn back into the water, but not until Fir'aun and his army are deep inside it. Only once they are completely inside the sea will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then instantaneously, miraculously once again change the sea back, the sand back into sea. And instantaneously, إِنَّهُمْ مُغْرَقُونَ They will all drown. Who would have ever thought that this is how this saga will end? This is the powerful story of a fight that takes place over many decades. But between the most powerful force and the weakest force, of that of one simple, teeny, tiny, one-week-old baby. And at the hands of who is he put up against? The most powerful force of that time, whose name till today we speak of. Right? Whose dead body and mummy, people still travel thousands of miles to go visit and see. And so what an amazing story Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses to manifest this haqiqah and reality. That if Allah is with you, then honestly, believe it or not, none can overcome you. It may take time for you to see victory. It may take time to see the light at the end of the tunnel because a tunnel may be very long. And it may take twists and turns. So you may not be able to see the light at the end of it. But have the conviction that there has to be light at the end of the tunnel. Because Allah said so. Because Allah created that tunnel. And Allah created that light. And Allah created you. It's not possible that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says doesn't come through. The whole world can fall apart ten times. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's words can never fall apart. That's the conviction we have. That is a conviction we see in the, on the lips of the children of Gaza. And the children and the women and the men of Palestine today and the past month. What is that? It is this unbelievable, unexplainable... Honestly, I cannot imagine the terror those words must create in the hearts and the minds of the oppressors. When they see, how can we intimidate these people? What, what, what is it with these people? That they, in front of them, all it is is the stench of death. All it is is just body upon body. But yet, their faith doesn't end. Their strength doesn't end. Psychologically, they are far superior and psychologically, they are far stronger than the aggressor. We are the ones. Like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Bilal Habshi, radiallahu anhu. When it comes in the books of Sirah, that he would get tortured and beaten and whipped by the Meccans and the whippers. The people who were whipping him would get tired of whipping him. But, but Bilal, radiallahu anhu, would only say, Ahad, Ahad, Ahad. He would never give up. He would be dragged on the, on the, on the sands of Mecca. But the whipping that he was going through was so tough that the people who were whipping him, the abusers and the uh, 
uh, the mushrikeen would get physically tired and fatigued from hitting him and whipping him. But he would not get fatigued from all of that. Because what he had was aqeedah of Islam. When the true aqeedah of Islam comes into the heart, and that's what the disbelievers don't realize. That's what the disbelievers, and guess what? The disbelievers don't realize it, and who else doesn't realize it? We all sitting here don't realize that either. Now what does iman do? When iman comes into you, honestly, you, you, nothing can stand a chance. Nothing can stand a chance. That is the power of iman. That the Sahaba had, and you're seeing today that being manifested. It's unbelievable. It is something that is truly given to a person only from Allah. Nothing can give that. And you'll see, subhanAllah, the people in the comfort of their homes from the aggressors are sitting there crying, worried about their self, their safety. While those, subhanAllah, who are on the receiving end every single minute, you'll see that their, their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after everything that has happened, has not decreased. Has not decreased. What is that? That is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them the greatest strength and the power in the world, that is iman. And so, Surah Al-Qasas, qis, it is the plural of the word qisla. Qisla is a story, qasas is the plural. Qassal athar is when a person goes and follows the footsteps of someone. They were previously in the Arab world, you know, in prehistoric times, they were people who were qasas. Not the, the qasas, one qasas is the storyteller. But let's go back to the linguistic background of this word. There were people who would look at footsteps and figure out where a, a person has run away. If they're looking for a runaway criminal, a runaway slave, a runaway animal, there were people who would look at the footsteps and recognize who, what, what, where, who does this footstep belong to? What type of person? Unbelievable level of intelligence. Just like people look at today, forensics. Right? That's what they was. They, were, they, would, they would use their intelligence to figure out from the footstep who and what and where went through here. So in order to get to the individual that they're trying to track down or the animal that they're trying to track down, they would have to walk back and follow the footsteps. That's called qassal athar. So similarly, a storyteller goes back in time and narrates and walks you through the view of someone, the narrator or whoever, and it replays for you a story that has happened in the past. That's why stories are called qissa. Because you are going back in, in time. And so the, the stories of the Qur'an are not just mere stories for fun or fairy tales. Instead, they are stories that are filled with meaning. And beyond that, they're 100% absolute true. They're, this is not allegorical things. This is not metaphor. This is haqiqah. This is the truth. This is exactly the way it is. There is no exaggeration in here. There is nothing added for just you know, excitement. Just, you know, details. No, that's why the Qur'an doesn't get into details. Because that's not the purpose. It's not meant to be a lullaby. It's not meant to be an interesting story that you go to sleep to. It's meant to be an inspiring story that's filled with endless lessons. But Allah wants you to get the lessons from where you need to. Don't delve into things that are not needed. Focus on what is the most important things. That's what is what a qissa is. So Allah Azza says, نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ We are going to share with you the best of stories. The Surah Yusuf's story is called the best of stories. And the Qur'an, all of it, is, uh, uh, is بِالْحَقِ نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ بِالْحَقِ We are going to narrate to you stories in the most truthful manner. So this is 
what this, this surah is about. It's about, story, it's about stories. Now where did the word come from? Qasas plural. Shu'aib salam's daughter, when she came back after meeting Musa salam, which we will come inshallah in the future of the surah, a few rukus in, it says that, uh, uh, that when she came back to her father, uh, 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 she and then eventually brought Musa with him. And Musa salam had a meeting with his future father-in-law, Shu'aib. What happened? Qassa alayhi al-qasas. Shu'aib salam, he said, where did you come, Musa? Who are you? Where? What? What happened? How did you end up over here? Qassa alayhi al-qasas. He shared with him stories. All the stories of his past life. This was the interview between father-in-law and son-in-law, right? And so in that interview, Nabi Musa shared with him all the stories of his past life. So that's why that plural word qasas has been come and has been used to name this surah as well. Another thing, my beloved friends, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as He speaks about this outstanding, amazing battle that took place between the forces of falsehood and the force, notice without the S, force of truth. This, this, this battle that took place in the past and this battle that has happened from day one rather, from who? From the time of Nabi Adam and Shaitan. Then didn't stop there. Once they moved on to the world, then Habil and Qabil. And from there onwards, we see there has always been a Hezbollah and Hezbollah Shaitan. There's always been a party of Allah and a party of Shaitan. There's always been a Ma'arika bayn al-Haqqi wal-Batil. A war and a battle between forces of truth and forces of falsehood. This is not an age-old story. It's from the very beginning of time. From the very beginning of time, this is how it's been. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to bring that, story, that, that, that battle between the forces of good and forces of falsehood, presented that marika and that battle in the form of a story. And we learn from here that one of the best ways to explain something is through a story. Honestly, when you and I hear stories, including tonight, as you sit here and listen, and I sit here and share, there will be many moments tonight that you will listen and you say, man, that is exactly what I'm going through. That is exactly what my sibling, my mom, my dad, my wife, my husband, my child, my son, my daughter, or my, my business partner is going through. We see ourselves or our friends or our relatives a reflection of ourselves in the stories. That's the power of stories. Instead of writing something on a board and just giving facts, when you present something in a form of a story, it really allows the crowd and the audience to relate to that. And so this is the methodology of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an when it comes to teaching. Hence similarly, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who is the best teacher, al-Nabiyul Mu'allim is actually a name of a book. Al-Nabiyul Mu'allim, the teaching Nabi. Because he was for sure the most excellent of teachers. You will see that he used parables. He used examples. He used stories. Just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used parables and, and stories in the Qur'an. And so as fathers, as mothers, and as educators, we should also utilize this method when teaching our little ones and teaching our elder ones as well. If you want to get something across, instead of scolding someone, and instead of yelling at someone, much better way is you share the story of what happened at the neighbor's house. You share what happened on the road. Not if you see your son or daughter or anyone else for that matter driving in a very unsafe manner. You can sit there and scold them. Or you can actually just tell them what happened an hour ago on, on the street when you're coming by, when you're going back to work or you're coming from work. And you can narrate, hey, you know what I just saw? I saw this. That has, and these are pictures of it. Go check online. This is what happened. That has 
a more powerful effect of delivering the message without breaking the bridges, without burning the bridges, without ruining the relationship. So we are taught that if we want to be effective communicators and we want to, we want to deliver a message, one of the best ways to do that is through qissa, through stories. Hence we will see in this story as well as many other surahs of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses some of the most intricate and most important aspects of our faith. And most important teachings of the Qur'an, He teaches it and shares it with us in a form of a qissa. We ask Allah azza wa jal that He allows us to understand the true wisdoms behind these stories and allow us always to apply it to ourselves. And may He save us from becoming from amongst such people. When a verse of the Qur'an is shared, when a hadith is shared, that we look back thinking that this must be applying to the person behind me. Rather, thinking, rather than thinking that this is exactly for me. That is something we have to ask Allah for. That Ya Allah, save me from always thinking that this is not for me. You remember we did last, last uh, ayah, rather last um, week we covered that uh, the Ibadur Rahman are such people, when the verses of the Qur'an are recited, they do not fall deaf and dumb, blind and dumb, dumb and deaf on the ground. Right? They don't. Um, but rather, uh, they, they actually listen attentively. And they apply whatever they're hearing to themselves. So this is what we uh, learn from this here, from this, and this is what our uh, our our uh, desire is. لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ Allah says in Surah Yusuf, "Indeed, there are signs in their stories for who لِأُولِ الْأَلْبَابِ for intelligent people. So there are many non-Muslims today. Alhamdulillah, who are accepting Islam. Who are such people? They are ulul al-bab. There are many people who've left the masjid. There are many people who've left Qur'an for the past many uh, years. And now they're coming back. What, who are they? They are ulul al-bab. They are intelligent people who are waking up and saying, you know what, time's up. Enough is enough. I need to come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is where we will see that hopefully the, the surah, surah Al-Qasas similarly will have that type of effect upon all of us. One of the things additionally we are going to learn from uh, the story of Nabi Musa is that Nabi Musa, he is in Egypt. How did he land in Egypt? Because Nabi Yusuf migrated uh, from Bilad al-Sham, from Palestine to uh, Egypt. And then over time, they ended up staying there. And they procreated and they had children and they lived. But although they lived in that environment of Egypt, they had a separate identity. They retained their identity. And the, the original Egyptians, the Coptics, not necessarily Christians. The Christians, Romans came in over and, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, colonized them. So then they became Christians, but they were not necessarily Qiptis, they were not Coptics, were not always Christian. Coptic or Qipti means those who were the dwellers of, the original dwellers of Egypt, that's all. So they had a separate identity and they had a separate identity. The Bani Israel who had come from uh, 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 Masjid Al-Aqsa or Palestine area. Quds. And so, it comes in narrations that Fir'aun had seen a dream. That one dream was that, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, that a young man, you know, he saw a dream that a nur is coming. And a light is coming from uh, Bayt al-Maqdis. And, or something is coming from there. And it is completely affecting and destroying Fir'aun and his entire army and everyone. Except for Bani Israel. That Bani Israel is saved. And so the fortune tellers... And the ones who interpret dreams told him that this means that something will happen. Someone will come from that area 
and your kingdom will come to an end. And so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans to do something, you can try and kick your feet as much as you want, scream and yell as much as you want. What is meant to happen? Nothing can avert Allah's decision. Nothing, nothing, nothing can avert Allah's decision. Whatever He has decided. Right? So this is what this surah teaches us. Tasi meem. Right? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. It's meaning these are called the broken letters. Huruful muqatta'at. And they come sometimes in singular form, like qaf and noon. Sometimes they come in dual forms, tasin, hamim. Sometimes they come in three letters, arif, lam, meem, and tasi, meem, like you see over here. Sometimes they come in four, arif, lam, meem, ra. Sometimes they come in five, ha, meem, ayn, seen, qaf, kaf, ha, ya, ayn, sad. So these are broken letters, and we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows its meaning best. Definitely there is, they are revealed for a reason, there is a secret behind it. Some say these are alluding to the names of Allah. Some say they are alluding to the names of the Prophet ﷺ. Some say this is a secret between Allah and His Nabi. But the main thing is we don't know. That's all that matters. We don't know with certainty. We can give an educated guess, meaning not you and I, but the Sahaba and some of them, based on various things, gave some possible explanations. And, and that's it. it For some it will be a test And I want to On test I remembered something Which is very important Allahu Akbar There are many times you hear about people Who come to a masjid Then they have a bad experience in the parking lot And they will go write a bad Google review And they say we will never come back to A masjid or this masjid There are people who will have a bad experience In the shoe rack area Their slippers went missing Someone accidentally switched with theirs and they will say, we will never come back to a masjid or this specific masjid. Sometimes a person may use the bathroom and he finds it to be dirty. He gets angry. Sometimes a person may come to the masjid and he sees someone who tells him, hey, you know what? Next time you come smoking in the masjid, please use some cologne. You know, don't, don't come with that stench. He gets upset. Someone says, cover up properly. He gets upset. A sister comes in. Someone says, uh, something may be completely correct or maybe incorrect. But what happens, they get upset. And they say, I'm done with Islam. I'm done with the masjid. I'm done with deen. Does this happen often? Yes, it does. It happens all the time. People's visits to Umrah, visits to Islamic countries, visits to their mom and dad's house, visits to the local madrasa, masjid, you name it. And they say, I'm angry, I'm upset, I had a bad experience. And they decide to turn their back to the deen. We all hear about these stories about these ex-Muslims all over the world and in America especially. Why did you leave Islam? Because my teacher 15 years ago hit me when I was memorizing the Quran. What? I got hit? We all got hit. Whoever memorized 20 years ago, we got hit. Yeah. What is that supposed to mean? But subhanAllah, have you got hit any more than the people of Gaza and Afghanistan? Okay? What is that supposed to mean? But now you look at all of these examples of people blaming their disobedience towards Allah and they're becoming renegades, they like to blame it on the masjid. They like to blame it on Muslims. They like to blame it on Quran. They like to blame it on ulama. They like to blame it on X, Y, Z. And this reminds me of an incident that happened uh, in, in, during the time of Rasulullah when revelation was, descend, was, was, was descending upon him. I'm sure we covered this in the first page of Surah An-Nur. So this is the embryology that Allah is speaking about 
right, of how the fetus is formed in the first page of Surah Al-Mu'minun. And then, there was a person who was writing the revelation as Rasulullah is reading out the revelation. He's receiving revelation and he's, the, the man next to Rasulullah is writing. So then after he finished going through the stages of how the embryo is formed, then the man was, who was writing the wahi, he was like, wow man, this is just amazing. So he blurted out, Allahu ahsanul khaliqeen. How blessed is Allah, the best of creators. He just said it. And the Prophet ﷺ said, write that. Because that's exactly what the portion, the last portion of the ayah is. <laughs> it just so happened that these exact words came to him at that time. And it coincided with what? With the revelation of exactly the same portion of a verse. As soon as that happened, what did he say? He said, oh, you tell me to write this? This is what you probably do all the time. You hear random stuff from different people and then you just, the next day or the next couple of days, you say, hey, I received revelation. And you tell people to write it. Because you know, Rasulullah had multiple people who would write wahi, not only one person. So he said, really? And so he said, that's it. I can't believe in this stuff anymore. He was not a Arab during the time of the Prophet No, no. He was not just born and raised around the time of Rasulullah in Makkah. No. He was my friend's a person who took the kalima shahada, accepted Islam, apparently at least, and Allahu Akbar, he didn't see the revelation descend. No, no, no. He was one of the chosen few who was blessed, or I should say tested, with writing the revelation, sitting next to the Prophet ﷺ, receiving. He's the first person amongst the entire ummah. No one besides him at that time probably had heard this verse. And yet, that became the means of him leaving Islam. This is what you call fitna. This is what you call fitna. Remember this story. This is what you call a fitna. Because we see people falling into fitna left and right. And, they, and you wonder, like, what can I do? How can I save this person? Oh my God, it's a masjid's fault. It's a scholar's fault. It's so-and-so's fault. Maybe we could do things better, honestly, at times. But sometimes, no, we couldn't do things better. This is the rule. If someone comes and says something like, how can, why can't we change up the style of how we sit in the masjid? Or why can't we do this? Or why can't we do that? Why can't we change the way the khutbah is given? Change the way the salah is said and performed? Brother, this is how it is. What is that supposed to mean? Okay, I'm done with Islam. I'm sorry that that's upsetting to you. But we can't change the deen to appease you. Now, don't, you cannot sit and blame the masjid for making you leave the fold of Islam. Instead, this is your own fitna. So, whatever has happened outside has happened. There are so many people who have left the deen today. So many within your circle of friends and my circle of friends and acquaintances, who, don't longer, who no longer come to the masjid, who no longer at times even go to any masjid, because of some so-called bad experience they had. But I want you to understand, as moms and dads and all of us here, sometimes we, we just blame ourselves too much. Sometimes we don't blame ourselves enough. But sometimes we also blame ourselves too much. That's one thing. Number two is that be wary and careful about yourself. Do not... Yani walk through life <clears throat> with, uh, you know, with blinders on top of yourselves thinking that I'm a Muslim, I'll always be a Muslim. I go regularly to the masjid and I always go to the masjid. You don't know, my beloved brothers, how quickly you can get turned away. You don't know that. I can just think of so many instances of people who are front row serving the masjid, serving in, 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 in the madrasa, uh, involved in the effort of da'wah and tabliq, involved in the, with their shaykh, in, in, in suluk, in tazkiyah, 
Allahu Akbar. They were the top ranking people. And something happens and they flip. And they flip to such a degree that you would never imagine this guy ever saw a, a masjid in his life. What happened? They have fallen into fitna. So this is how shaitan works. Ego is so dangerous. How dare he said that to me? I can't believe it. I was sitting there and he made fun of me in front of others. He didn't accept my opinion. I was a volunteer and he dare overrided my opinion as an Amir. I don't care if he's an Amir. I've been serving the community for 10 years. What is that? You've not been serving the community, you've been serving your ego. If you're serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what difference does it make whether your opinion is taken or not? If you serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you will get ajr whether your opinion is taken or not. So I want to remind myself and all of us, be wary of this fitna. Because too many people are falling into this. And they're ending up leaving the masjid and leaving dini institutions and the end times leaving Islam because they have been so-called insulted, hurt, heartbroken, affected, upset, angry. And remember, As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Whoever chooses to turn his back against Allah, he shall never harm Allah in the least. You can never harm the deen. No matter how much you decide to go on the other side. No one can harm the deen. All the ex-Muslims put together, who have started their organizations, and who started investing so much money into various programs to try to pull weak Muslims towards themselves. What do they think? Islam never, meant, never needed them. For every one of these uh, spoiled, rich, young Muslim uh, people who want to be, leave Islam, guess what? Islam doesn't need you. Islam never needed you. Allah never needed you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for everyone who will leave, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give hidayah to 10 better ones. Understand that. If you've left, it was because there was nothing good in you. And Allah Azza wa says, if you choose to turn away, then I will replace you with another nation. And then they will not be like you. So this is a message to all those thinking of leaving Islam. As much as we would love for you and I to stay in Islam, but honestly, you do no harm to Islam by leaving. Don't think you hurt your parents' feelings and wow, you've, you're a victory, victory, you've gained some sort of foolish victory by leaving Islam. Honestly, that's what today many youth want to do. They say, I'm going to gain victory by claiming to be an apostate. How much shaitan has taken him for a ride? Subhanallah. May Allah protect us from this evil plots and plans of shaitan. And may Allah strengthen our iman. And may Allah guide all of those people who have fallen into the trapments of shaitan and nafs to get out of that mess. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. This is Tasi Meme. Why did I say this? Because this simple three-letter word can also become a fitna and has become a fitna. Now how can the surah begin with letters that we say we don't know and only Allah knows best? What's that supposed to mean? John, I want to close the book and move on. Okay. So that's why some of the ulama say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created from the Qur'an, starting off with Alif Lam Meem, Allah has presented an interview process, if I can call it that, of some sorts. A filtering process of some sorts. That are you willing to accept that there are things in life and in Islam that you don't know and you will never know. Because today we have become worshippers of our nafs and our aql. We worship our ego and worship our intelligence. And if we cannot comprehend something, we get upset and say, it can't be right. I can't comprehend that. I don't understand that. How can I accept that? Well, this is where the message comes. That there, you have to put, you have to put your, your foot on your ego and you also have to put your foot on certain on things that you say you can't understand. Understand that 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of all of these things. Certain things He has asked us, He's won us to understand, and He Himself says in the Quran that Ayatul Muhkamat Hunna Ummul Kitab wa Ukharu Mutashabihat. They are those books, those verses of the Quran that are solid in their nature, in their meaning, in their uh, uh, application. Ummul Kitab, they're the mother of the Quran, they're the mother of the book, they're the most important ones. And then number two. There are other verses that are ambiguous. The meaning is not clear. Who said that? Allah is saying that. Allah is saying, I have placed verses in the Quran that are ambiguous in nature, in their meaning. Indeed, those people who have a crookedness in their heart, they only go after those verses that are ambiguous. Why? Because they want to cause chaos. They are searching for chaos. And they're trying to go find the meaning of something which Allah has already hidden from them. And no one knows the proper interpretation of those verses except for Allah. Allah Himself is saying that this is a fitna. So those people who go into issues of taqdeer, go into issues of predestiny, try to find the most complicated hadith of Bukhari and Muslim, and then they sit in every party, and walima and aqiqah, and birthday party, and you name it, and say, hey, did you think about this hadith? Brother, did you think about showing up for Fajr first? Then we'll talk about the rest of the stuff. That's the issue. Look what you did last night. You're sitting playing video games all night. You're watching haram, listening to haram, and then you will come and say, what does the hadith mean? Okay, you're not searching for the truth. You are a mischief maker. And I don't have time for people to sit around with people who want to create mischief. You go find your own group of friends. Right? This is not, we have no time for this. And you should never give time to such people who come and, and not they're not just wasting your time. Misery loves company. They are people who've ruined their akhirah and they want to ruin yours. The, the first thing is not you go, who told you to go pick up Bukhari in the first place? That's your fault that you sit there searching. People, subhanAllah, some students, they come and they ask all these crazy questions every single day crazy question and then you ask them not here I'm saying outside but you say Why, where are you getting these questions from well I'm just every day I spend some time in the night I don't read Yaseen I don't read Surah Mulk I don't read uh, Mashallah Sirat Al-Nabi I don't read Aqidah what am I reading I'm reading webs- I'm reading Reddit Reddit groups dedicated to ex-Muslims I'm reading Islamophobe websites are you crazy why would you do that why would you do that? And there's, uh, this is so many youth who sit there and read the comments of Islamophobes on these YouTube videos. Right? On the, they go read what the trolls are saying. And then they come back confused. And then they want to come ask Imam Saab or someone else, I read that. Why? Why do you burn yourself and go to the urgent care and say, I burn myself? Every day you burn yourself and say, I burn myself, give me some cream. Eventually they're going to say, no, you don't need urgent care, you need psychiatric ward. That's what you need. Right? So similarly, people who tend to read all this filth, and then get confused, understand that you are actually hurting yourself more than ever. And don't say, oh no, I'm challenging you to find an answer. No, I'm challenging you to stop putting feces over your face. Right? That's what you're doing. Why would you do that? Why would you take the most disgusting remarks about Allah and His Rasul and read that? By reading it, honestly, you are creating darkness and dhulma in your heart. So every single time anyone picks up a book by an ex-Muslim, Everyone, every time anyone picks up an article or reads of by an Islamophobe, what are you doing? Just like reading the Quran and reading hadith brings nur to your heart, by Allah, reading this type of trash brings darkness to your heart. And then at the end of it, of course you won't feel like getting up for Fajr. Of course you won't feel like reading Quran. Of course you won't feel like coming to the masjid and attend the program because of what you've read. 
Whose fault is that? That's your fault. Then why did you pick and choose stuff which will destroy your soul? So this is a warning for all of us that there's fitna all over. And who said that? The Quran said that. Allah Himself is saying that. That I want to ensure that you don't, that only the most sincere people, uh, the most sincere people come through. So these are ways to ensure that the insincere people fall off. So Tasi Meme is one of those obstacles that are part of the obstacle course to ensure that only the most sincere people make it out. These are the revealed verses of the book. What, what book is this? It is Al-Mubin. It's clear. The book is very clear, meaning that the verses of this book are very clear. Now I just told you about, look at this, how the connection is. I just told you about Mutashabihat, right here. And the Quran, Allah calls it what? Clear. So someone's gonna say, wait, hey, that doesn't make sense. Hold your horses. I just said that. There's two, two type of verses. Focus on what you need to focus on. Kitabul Mubin. Allah is saying, what you need to understand, it's more than clear. What you don't need to understand, I kept it on purpose like that. Why are you going there? That's not for you to focus. Right? That's not for you to focus. When you go to house gatherings, when you go to homes, when you go to weddings, what, are, what is the discussion? How many times people say, Shaykh, can I ask you something? If I do this, do I have to do sajda to sahwa in salah or not? I have, you know, this many qadha salahs. How do I make it up? I actually had this financial transaction. I'm doing a business transaction. I'm doing a business, uh, you know, dealing. Is this halal? These type of questions we rarely get. It's usually hypothetical questions. When you're on the moon, what's the direction of the qibla? Brother, right now we're on earth. Why don't you learn that? But that's it. People like to ask questions that are not relevant to them. Because, why? The purpose of asking is not amal. The purpose of asking is not to actually do anything. The purpose of asking is simply time pass. Right? Just to waste your time. That's why our ustads, wallah, they get very upset. If any student were to ask a question that is not relevant, they get very upset. They say, behuda sawal, wahiya sawal, bekar sawal. Why are you asking questions? You think I'm some, some toy to play with? Waste my time like this? They would get very upset. Honestly, very upset. If we would ask an irrelevant question. They say, ask all you want, but ask good questions. Don't, and number two, they would not allow us to ask a question that was not relevant to us. So an unmarried person is asking a question about marriage, they would get really mad. Say by jiska sawale wa khud Whoever has this question, he should come and ask me. Why are you speaking on behalf of someone else? These were the usul my teachers gave me. When you go to a community, don't have open Q and A, because he said you don't know. People ask random stuff. And number two, he said if this person asks a question and it's not relevant to him, say listen, you don't know the situation. Why? Usually people try to take your words out of context, and someone did that to me recently. <laughs> right? Asked me a question, didn't give me the full context, and I gave an answer to that quick answer of 15 seconds and then uses is used that in a whole different manner alright this happens it's normal with us with people like us that people do that alright that they'll ask a question that's not relevant or they won't give the full context and the purpose is they're trying to use that for their own other means and that's why when you ask at istifta that's why most of the time our ulama will not give a verbal answer they'll always give an answer in written form and they always say write to the darul ifta ask you know people say oh, come on man why do I have to write I'm just asking you no so write to the Darul Ifta. Just like these physicians who are sitting usually come to our masjid, you don't just open up your mouth and say, hey, just doctors, just check me out here, check out my nose, check out my ear. No one says, no doctor's gonna do that for you. So see me in the office. So that's why for the ulama to say, write that istifta. Istifta means we ask a fatwa. And then when they write the fatwa, they'll say, basharte sihate su'al. On the condition that the question is truly uh, presenting the facts correctly, this is the answer. Because I don't know. What if 
You're not presenting the facts correctly. So I'm not giving you a blanket answer. I'm giving you an answer on the condition that you have presented the facts properly. Right? That's why it's important that we don't answer other people's questions because they may not be presenting the full facts. نَتْلُوا عَلَيْكَ مِنْ نَبَأِ مُوسَى Allah says, we are reciting to you. Allahu Akbar. Allah is reciting to us. Natlu, we recite to you. Let's listen. How can you and I not listen when the reciter is Allah? Nahnu We are sharing a story with you. If Allah is the storyteller, how can we not listen to his story? He said, we recite to you in truth. Bilhaqi means in truth. Alayka upon you. Something of min Something of a portion of Naba'i Musa, the tidings. He said, Great. Why? Because Naba is not just the news, the daily news. Naba means something which is great. Great tidings. Musa of Musa wa Fir'auna and Pharaoh. For a people who would believe in divine revelation. Right? For a people who would believe in divine revelation. Yani, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that I am going to share with you now a story of Musa and Fir'aun. This is like I have alhamdulillah explained in detail. A very important story that I need you to pay attention to. But it's not just any story. It's Naba. It's a very important news to you. Like, They're asking about the big news. What news is that? The news of the coming of the hour. So here, similarly, Musa and Fir'aun's story is a very big news for all of us. Bilhaqi in the most truthful manner. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Who's going to benefit from this? For a people who, want, who will believe in divine revelation. Anyone who doesn't believe in divine revelation, they will not benefit from it. They are, mashallah, mashallah, so many people today I'm seeing who are honestly accepting Islam just by reading through the translation. What is that? They have hidden faith inside. The incidents of today force them to pick up a copy of the Quran or translation or whatever the case may be. And they have, alhamdulillah, been moved to Islam. Right? So anyone who comes to Quran, comes to study the Quran with honest sincerity, inshaAllah will be guided. What is the beginning portion of this story that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says He wants us to listen? Inna Fir'auna ala fil ard. Wajala ahliha shia'an yastadhifu ta'ifata minhum yudabihu abna'ahum wa yastahi nisa'ahum innahu kana min al mufsideen. Allah says, indeed, the Pharaoh exalted himself with lawless insolence in the land of Egypt. Allah, Allah is a verb, which means to be on top. Uh, and Allah is also a harf jar, right? Which is, that is not written with this lam alif like that. It's a ya with the alif saghira. Innaka la ala khuluqin azim. That means to be on top of something. And Allah is the verb form of it, right? To be, to have, to be exalted. And from this comes al-ali. The most exalted Allah. So indeed, Fir'aun exalted himself with lawless insolence fil ardi in the land of Egypt. And then what did he do? He used an old tactic. What's that called? Divide and rule. Exactly. Divide and conquer. Honestly, as you will go through me with me, inshallah, this surah, hopefully you all stay put and just don't show up for the first time. Right, and then after that disappear. And people just for some odd reason they need to have the first tafsir and everyone like show up. Last tafsir, everyone shows up. It's the Quran, brother. Why do you need these type of labels? I wish I could somehow come up with a new label every single week to get you to trick you into coming. Right? But that's what it is. Everyone needs some sort of like a last I gotta show up. First I gotta show up. And in the middle, we don't need it. We're okay. Right? So this is if we as we study this surah, 
I am, um, you know, tell, I'm telling you, I remember teaching this to some of you, subhanAllah, in the past in the classroom. It, it really is the playbook that the evildoers are using today. It's so amazing. Wallahi. As you go through the Quran, this surah, you'll see, wow, this is the exact same things that the evildoers are using today. It's the same playbook and same people. So evildoers are using evil plays. And the, you'll see this being explained in the Quran. No wonder we're supposed to be studying. History repeats itself, right? But unfortunately, we're not studying the Quran, so we're not learning it. So here, divide and conquer, divide and rule is Fir'aun's method. Yes, Shia. He segregated its people into factions. Okay, so you've got the Qiptis, and you've got the Bani Israel, and others. He started making them fight with one another. Right? This is what, exactly what's happening today. You create nation states, you create borders, you go to every region and you c- cut a line right through, right through the center of multiple towns, and you have people with the same lineage, same heritage, same language, same skin color, same food, but now on opposite borders and will spend 50% and 60% of their budget, so-called defense from one another. And that line is an artificial line that was just placed 50 years ago, 100 years ago. SubhanAllah, this is how you do. You create groups and you make them fight with one another. That, this is what the colonialist did in the past 150 years ago. And before that, 200 years ago in different parts of the world. And this is exactly what we see happening today as well, right in front of our eyes. Shi'an is the plural of Shia, which means a group. A group. Shi'an plural. Segregated the people into groups. Then what did he do? Yastad'ifu ta'ifatan minhum. He began to oppress a group of amongst them, from amongst the groups. How did he oppress them? In what manner? Yes, يُذَبِّحُ أَبْنَأَهُمْ He actually slaughtered, slaying their sons. وَيَسْتَحِيِّ نِسَاءَهُمْ And letting their women folk alive in bondage, as slaves. إِنَّهُ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُفْسِدِينَ Indeed, he was, he was of those who sowed corruption on the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Speaking about here is that Fir'aun was an extremely arrogant person who honestly he worshipped himself. The most narcissistic person you can imagine. And that narcissism is what led him, amongst many other things, to claim divinity. And if you look at all the tyrants of today, what are they? Look at how Mussolini ended, died. Look at how Hitler died. Look at how Lenin died. Read their stories. Watch their final you know, documentaries about how, how their last moments. Pitiful deaths, every single one of them. And you realize every single one of them was the most pitiful, sorry, you know, the most empty lost soul you can imagine. They took 20 million lives, 24 million lives. But honestly, subhanAllah, they had nothing. Of course, besides being vicious, horrible people. But I'm trying to say is that they were never happy with themselves. They were, they were always empty. Some of these people were ajib. It's, it's this history of these tyrants is very ajib. It's like this, like a serial killer, a serial killer has their own weird, uh, you know, psychology that makes them do those things. Similarly, these tyrants of today, they have weird insecurities, right? And it's that insecurity amongst many other things, worship of themselves and insecurity that leads them to do the most horrific of crimes. All of them, you'll see that. Very empty and hollow people. So he began to, he was from amongst those who caused corruption. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this aspect of uh, um, <clears throat> punishment of the people of Bani Israel in multiple places in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in one place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُذَبِّحُ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ وَيَسْتَحِي نِسَاءَهُمْ Right here in Surah Al-Qasas. 
In another place in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah says, That He was giving you all sorts of different types of punishment. And He was uh, slaughtering your sons and letting your women live, uh, uh, stay alive. And in Surah Ibrahim, Nabi, uh, uh, Nabi Musa says, Remember Allah's blessing upon you when Allah saved you from the, uh, from the people and the army of Fir'aun who were punishing you in various ways. And were slaughtering. So, ulama of tafsir, mashallah, they go to such intricate points that we would never imagine. Three places the killing of Fir'aun, the Fir'aun's killing and slaughtering of the Bani Israel is mentioned. Two places Allah is speaking. And in one place, Musa, Nabi Musa is speaking to his nation. Now when it comes to the word yudhabbihun, slaughtering, only one place the letter wow has been mentioned. Wayudhabbihun. What does wow mean? And. So they say, what is the wisdom behind that? That and slaughtering is mentioned when Musa speaks to his nation. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks it, he doesn't say it. Interesting. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about the most important things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has protected Bani Israel from or got them out of. So he talks about the crux that I saved you from a group of people who was killing you all. That's it. When Nabi Musa is speaking to his nation, he is actually counting out the favors of Allah. He is listing the favors of Allah. So as he goes through the process of listing it, what is he doing? He's adding number one, number two, and number three, more detail. Hence, he adds the wow to it. Are you all following? He doesn't just say, oh, and Allah saved you from the dying at the hands of Fir'aun. But rather, he now gives it A, B, C. It's not just killing, but then after that, how did he kill you? He slaughtered. At times, it comes slaughtering. At times, it comes yuqatirun. Either he used to choke them to death or slaughter them. And just for a moment, I want you us to think about subhanAllah, what used to happen to Bani Israel. Right? Uh, like, it's, 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 they don't have bullets. They don't have uh, bombs. It was literally manually each and every single person. Dhibah, brothers, you know what dhibah means? Slaughtering. Right? It's, it's unbelievable. Every single person in the thousands, young boys are brought and slaughtered. And yuqattilun, choked to death. One by one, manually. Not through a bullet instantaneously dying. Just imagine watching even or hearing the subhanAllah slaughtering of, 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 of a man or a child. That's what the Bani Israel were put through. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions how he saved them from this. But initially right now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying how Shaykh Fir'aun did this. He created them into different factions and then he let out a punishment. Yasumunakum, brothers. What is Yasumunakum? It's not mentioned here. It's mentioned in Surah Araf that Fir'aun gave them all different types of punishment. Sama Yasumu Sa'ima is that animal that goes and grazes on its own. It chooses whatever it wants to eat. You let it free grazing animal. It's called a Sa'ima. Allahu Akbar. That is the word that's been used for the type of punishment Fir'aun gave. That he, their army freely tested and tried different ways of punishing uh, Bani Israel. Free range. No one could stop them. Like the way today, they're using different types of newly created bombs and newly created chemical warfare. Trying different things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally uses the same word in the Quran what Bani Israel went through. But people forget their history. People forget what they went through. Allah says, Fir'aun put them through various types of adab where they chose whatever they wanted to. 
to punish them in that manner. And then the, the, the fear that Fir'aun had was that the men will stand up and destroy, so the men or one man will stand up and bring an end to my kingdom, right? So he decided to kill off the boys. But women would, would he wasn't afraid of the women bringing down his, uh, Allahu Akbar, his kingdom. And uh, actually, who brought down his kingdom? Who brought down his kingdom? His wife, right? Exactly what happened. It was a lady who brought down his kingdom, wasn't it? It was Asiya. And I will inshallah get into that detail when, when that verse comes. But it is what I call the soft power of women. When used properly can be amazing and when used in an improper manner can be horrible. Right? So this, she used that soft power to force her husband to keep Nabi Musa. So it was actually the, uh, the, these two people who worked together by Allah's will and brought down the whole kingdom. So, and subhanAllah, the one he, he thought, I'm going to be afraid, I'm going to knock out all the men. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed one boy to be survived, and that's the boy who brought him down. And he's like, oh, women won't harm me. And it was a woman who subhanAllah brought him down. So what did he, he use them as slaves, and they served him and his, his people. Indeed, he was from amongst those who uh, were caused chaos. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now mentions four things, right? Because I recited this, I'm going to cover these two verses, inshallah. Allah says, and I want you to be with me, please. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, I'm going to bring you from Asfal as Safilin. Where's Bani Israel? Asfal as Safilin. They're watching thousands of their boys being slaughtered and choked to death. And I told you different types of punishment that we can't even imagine. And all their girls and women are being made into slaves, and you know what that means. Allahu Akbar. What could be more pitiful and worse for the Bani Israel? Allah says, when, I, when my plan comes to action, I'm not going to just take you from 10 to 20, from 90 to 100. No, 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 no. I'm going to take you from negative 100 to positive 100. From all the way from 100 feet under the ground to 100 feet above the ground if I want that for you. So many of us will be thinking, man, I'm lost. My life is just so messed up. Don't worry. No matter how far away you are from the deen, how far away you are in life, in dunya, your business has fallen apart, your family has fallen apart, you're emotionally a wreck, everything's going wrong in your life. But the moment you turn your attention to Allah and Allah decides to glance at you with the eyes of mercy, it just takes literally amr kun, not even a second. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply deciding that I have decided to change your destiny. Right? As one, uh, one dua I've heard of one of the ulama, he would do... Um, and what he would say, uh, you know, Ya Allah, ek karam ka sual hai, right? Bas ek karam it's just, I'm asking you, Allah to glance at me with the eyes of uh, generosity. One generous glance, right? Ye to ek sual hai. What a small thing I'm asking you. But this may be small, but mere liye kya hai? for me, this is my whole life. Meri zindagi ban jayegi, right? My whole life will come right if you just look at me once. That's what we all need to be asking Allah. You all got that? What do we have to be asking Allah? Ya Allah, please look at me. Look at me with the eyes of mercy. Just make me what you want me to be. Make me into what is pleasing to you. That's all I want to be. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you're, when you're retiring? What do you want to be at the end? We should have one thing on our tongue. I want to be what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see in a human being. That's it. I want to be what Allah wants to see in a human being. And once you have achieved that, 
then the rest is history. Your business will come right. Your family relationships will come right. Your health will come right. Your wealth will come right. Every aspect of your life will come right if you become what Allah wants you to become. But when we do not be what Allah wants us to be, then every aspect of our life will eventually fall apart. We're fixing one thing here. In that, mind, in that matter, three other things broke. By the time we get here to fix this, another three broke. That's all we all doing. We're just trying to go chase fires all day, letting, pushing out one, extinguishing one. By the time we extinguish one, another three start. That's the story of most of our lives. That no matter how much we run around, we still never find peace. No matter how many stores we open up, we still never have enough. No matter how many sales we do, we still never are content. Right? No matter how many children we have, we don't seem to be happy, no matter what they achieve. SubhanAllah, it's a story, a sad story of sadness that we have. And it goes back to the fact is, have we become what Allah wants us to become? Once that happens, then the rest is history. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I love this, وَنُرِيدُ We wanted. Watch. When we want to do something, no one can stop us. What did we want to do? We intended to confer our favor. Annamunna. We wanted to spend, send our special favor on the people of Bani Israel. Who are the people? Allah didn't say Bani Israel here. What did He say? What is this? On the oppressed people. You know the people you all have been killing for so long? You've destroyed them? Allah doesn't say Bani Israel. He said, no, the most despicable, horrible, murdered people that no one wants to do anything with. Allah said, I, you didn't want to do anything with them, but I wanted to elevate their status. And Allah talks about four things. We'll go over the translation, and inshallah the detail we'll do next week. We intended to confer favor on the people who have been oppressed in the land. Number one, namun, favor upon them. Number two, naj'aluhum a'imma. We didn't want to just get them out, stop, ceasefire. Huh? Ceasefire. No, no, no. Allah says, no, no, ceasefire. I'm going to do much, 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 much more than that. Number two, we're going to make them leaders. We're going to make them leaders, imams. Not only in deen, but in dunya. They will become the kings. And we will make them inheritors. They will inherit and take over whatever the oppressors had. They will inherit their palaces. They will inherit their wealth. They will inherit everything else. That's one, one tafsir. Number two, it means they will inherit, as mentioned here in the, in, the, in, in the explanation of this tafsir, that they will be inheriting our commandments, meaning they will be inheriting the deen. So I told you two things. One is inheriting the dunya from the oppressors, or one is inheriting the deen. And the previous one, either make them imams of the deen, or make them imams means leaders over the people who oppress them. Alright, that's three. And number four, and we wanted to establish them securely in the land. These are the most downtrodden people who had no place. They, had, they were not even worse than slaves. Allah said, now we want to give you your own spot. We will give the people of the deen, you'll have your own place. Lastly, we will show. We will show Fir'aun and Haman. We will show the Pharaoh and Haman. Wajunudahuma. And their armies and their hosts, minhum by means of them. By means of who? By means of these downtrodden people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm not gonna just send a bolt, lightning bolt, and destroy Fir'aun and Haman and the armies. Like that. No, I want the people to know that you are being used to destroy them. Because if forces of nature only come and take them out, people won't give credit to the people who are oppressed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, that I want to use you 
to bring down Fir'aun, Haman, and his armies. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am going to show you, this is the maf'ul, this is the uh, adverb or the, the, uh, uh, of this. I am going to show you the fulfillment of the fairy fear that they were so vigilantly guarding against. The thing that you're afraid the most, every night, Fir'aun and Haman and the armies were begging. I hope this doesn't happen. I hope this doesn't happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made their worst fears come true. This is the story now we will be covering, inshallah, for many weeks and months, is the story of how this happened. How did the most downtrodden people and the most oppressed people ended up enjoying the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and five things that you saw. Namunna is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conferred his favor. You can, you can count this as one or you can count the rest of them as explaining this. However way. If you count this as a separate one, this will be five. If you count the rest of them explaining, it'll be four. And number two, naj'alum a'imma, naj'alum warithin, three. Namakkilum arth, four. And nuriya fir'aun wa haman, five. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant you and I the deep understanding of what was covered today. May He increase our aqidah and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May He make us from amongst those who, no matter how tough the challenge may be, will never allow our eyes to focus on anyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you will take a few questions, inshallah, on Sido.com, 408-6832. 408-6832 dot com. This is the same number, right? So uh, um, oh, today is a different number, okay. 408 uh, 4086832 or just take a picture of the QR code and you can quickly ask your um, questions hopefully relevant to the lesson that we covered today inshallah yes uh? yes 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 you're good go ahead ask yeah yes yes Very interesting, yes. So he's asking about dream interpretation. Is this something that can be learned by non-Muslims? He says, Fir'aun uh, made a huge decision of killing everyone based on a dream or based on an astrologer giving him some information. And uh, uh, Yusuf was also given through uh, revelation, interpretation, the ability to interpret dreams. So is interpretation of dreams is something that a human being can learn or is it purely a, a God-given gift? So uh, usually we'll say that this is Certain people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens it up upon them. Like some, for some people, it comes to them naturally. And hence, they write books on it and, they, uh, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to start making connections that is just beyond us for a person who is not in that field. It's called alamul mithal, right? The world of uh, uh, you know, dreams or the wor- uh, a world of manifestation um, of, of, of dreams. Um, where, you know, where different parts of a dream, repre- I should say representation, a world of representations. Mithal means representation. So this is something that usually Allah opens it up upon to someone, but a person who studies it and spends time in the suhba and the company of people who Allah has opened it up upon them, they can also learn. So uh, if, you, if you read about these, if you get into this field and read, you start slowly start seeing patterns. So it's like a language. 
in like a coding language. Once a person spends time reading it and understanding it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يعني, a person will, will start understanding the language. Not doesn't mean now you're always going to be right. Right? That's the thing with your dealing with dreams. It's something not yaqat'i. It's not something that is 100% no doubt in it. It could be ghanni. It's your conjuncture or it's your educated guess with regards to what you are, what you are sharing. Right? And a non-Muslim, yes, could possibly have that as well. So if those of you who are joining for our tafsir first time and you do not get the updates or you do not get updates to all of our programs, please you can join the events group here to receive um, uh, the events for all the Darussalam events, inshallah, on WhatsApp. And if you want to receive a text message, uh, updates for the tafsir as a reminder, which happens every single Tuesday, alhamdulillah, after Salat al-Isha, then you please to quickly take a scan um, of that, of these two uh, things. Got any questions going on? Musa alayhi salam is related to Harun. Yes, he wasn't mentioned today, but he will be mentioned in other places. That is his brother. Uh, no, Nabi Musa did not. He married the daughter of Shuaib alayhi salam. And the relationship, Yusuf salam migrated from Bayt al-Maqdis to Egypt, as mentioned in Surah Yusuf. And then he settled there. And then after that, their generation stayed there, and eventually that's where uh, you, know, you have uh, Musa salam coming about. So Banu Israel means the children of Yaqub. Right? Yaqub Israel is the name of Yaqub. Uh, we talked about last week the importance of going for Umrah with a scholar. Yeah, uh, Alhamdulillah, there is a group, Mufti Minhaj is already out right now in, uh, and, and with many brothers from our community and beyond. Allah accept all those ulama and, and community members who are out there in Haramain Sharifain. May Allah accept their du'as. May Allah bring them back safely. May Allah allow uh, uh, their umrah to be accepted and the ziyarah of Rasulullah be accepted. Inshallah, myself, I will also be taking a group on December 26th. Uh, and there's a group going on December 28th. Inshallah, December 26th, uh, one group is leaving and one group leaving on December 28th. First to Medina, then to Mecca. So there's flyers outside on the table. And if you're listening online, then you just go visit Yasin Hajj and Umrah's uh, website. Uh, Yasin Hajj and Umrah's website, inshallah, will be taking a group. Uh, inshallah. Celebrating Thanksgiving. Well, if a person is, I don't know if it's celebrating, uh, how many of us actually so-called celebrate, understand, even have time to read into all that stuff. If it's a family get-together, everyone's, all family is there, and you're, uh, uh, what you call, spending time together, then that's fine. More than, uh, more than Halloween, more than Christmas, Yani, those are very uh, strongly religiously rooted holidays as opposed to Thanksgiving. Uh, but uh, even if it's a cultural thing, subhanAllah, it's, it's, yani, so there are differences of opinion, of course, in everything. But I, the middle ground, I would say, is that we have our own things that we celebrate. We, we, like Mother's Day and Father's Day and birthday and everything else, per se, they might be necessarily something wrong, but we want to make sure we highlight our own days. And we want to make sure that we highlight the fact that, hey, we don't specifically just focus on one day to reflect on your life, which is people do on their birthday, right? Maybe reflect every day. We don't want to give our due respect to our mom or dad only on a specific day. So these are small things, but eventually that can take us to bigger, bigger issues when a people begin to celebrate uh, other cultures, even if it doesn't have a necessarily religious undertone. So it's better that you simply don't call it a Thanksgiving get-together, but simply a family get-together that happens on a fall break, right? Um, and if someone, the question next one is going to be about Turkey. 
I mean, subhanAllah, yani if it's, now I won't say it's haram to eat turkey. You're right, you say turkey biryani that you want to have. Do they make any of that stuff? I don't know, right? Uh, so um, instead of the bagara began, you got now cranberry sauce, right? So, but uh, the, uh, it, it, it wouldn't be called yani, impermissible. But again, if a person wants to say, hey, I want to I set my family, because you know what? We have to take the higher road. Every generation honestly ends up, look at what happened to the Hindu culture that has overtaken the Muslims in Pakistan and India when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to everything else. It's like, subhanAllah, gone, finished. So that's why we should be, even, you know, we should be careful. If you want to keep our identity, you can have your family get together on Friday night. So our children see this, that hey, we have our own specific identity. It's very important, I feel, to give our children their own identity, right? Um, so it's not, not everything is about haram. It's about being smart and ensuring that our children have, um, you know, some sort of identity. You can, you, a person is asking, can we um, explain the first two ayats of Surah Qasas again? Because the contrast of Tasi means Mimin is not clear, but ayah 2 says the Quran is a book of clarity. Uh, maybe we should replay, everything is recorded. I did explain this, I uh, tried to explain it in quite detail, but <clears throat> anyone would like to answer that? Who would like to answer that? Let me ask the crowd. Maybe no one understood. Huh? Huh? What is the, what is the contrast between Tasi, Mim, and Mubin? Right? Some verses are clear, some verses are ambiguous. Who said that? Allah said that. Right? <laughs> Allah said that in Surah Al-Imran. Not some scholar of tafsir. Allah Himself said in the Quran. So the surahs begin at times with ambiguous, whose meanings are ambiguous. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't focus on that. This, this, the Quran is a clear book. What you need to learn is very clear. Whatever is not clear, you don't need to worry about it. You, all you need to say is that this is the true revelation, even though I don't understand it. It is, there is truth to that. How can we prepare ourselves to join Imam Mahdi's army? Okay, so uh, the, 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 the Imam Mahdi, or some people say Imam Mendi, right? With the Mendi, if you heard. You know what that is, Imam Mendi? You know what I'm talking about, Imam Mendi? No. Mendi, happy like that, Huh? Huh? Imam Mendi is a story what happened a few years ago. There was a person, an uncle, who put on red Mendi on his, on his beard. And then he sent a message. He made a video or some made a video of his from Medina. He said, Imam Mendi, I'm here. Right? But so everyone started making fun of him. He said, this is Imam Mendi, not uh, Mahdi. Right? Put a Mendi on his uh, dye on his hair. So Imam Mahdi, like we've spoken about before, more than likely is not coming anytime soon. Okay? So stop waiting for that. You need to actually uh, work on yourself, on, on, on standing on your own feet. I'm not saying you said he's expecting to be coming soon. I'm just sharing because many people do get confused about this. Right? So this is um, not something that is... Uh, maybe, Allah knows best, but it seems like there's still time. I don't know with certainty. I do not know with certainty, but it seems like there's still time. So w what we need to do is that when, whether Mah Imam Mahdi is here or not, the key thing is we need to have strong faith to be able to stand with the truth against falsehood. And it's not going to get easier. It's only going to get more difficult. So focus on creating taqwa within your life. Focus on creating sunnah within your life. The measure and the standard of righteousness and piety is not what the community says. 
That's not. Who cares what the community says and what doesn't say? The, your measure of, of goodness and success is your life and my life and my spouse's life and your spouse's life and children's life related back to the golden era of the Sahaba and the seal of the Prophet To what degree did I wake up today on Sunnah? In my interactions with my parents and my spouse, in Sunnah. My business dealings according to Sunnah. My prayer according to Sunnah. The way I eat according to Sunnah. That's it. That is the antidote to Dajjali fitna. The more Sunnah we have in our life, the more you and I will be protected from the fitna of Dajjal. As more people get killed, I feel like I'm obligated to go join the fight against the oppressors. <clears throat> okay. You know, the thing is, this type of de- de- desire a person has when you see people getting killed anywhere for that matter, if someone is mercilessly being beaten on the street, you should not look the other way. You should actually feel pain for it. But if, if, it's a, if, it's a, if it is six or eight people with guns beating up one person, what would you do? More than likely, you're gonna, whether it's six or even one, you would, all of us would call the cops. You'd videotape it, you'd call the police to be, report it. Because you know you don't stand a chance. So this is kind of like what it is, that you have huge 55 Muslim countries, and non-Muslim countries too, for that matter, who have actually shared their disgust and anger over what's happening. The, when it comes to these type of things, it is like you've called 911. You have to call 911. But if a person gets involved himself, the only thing that's going to happen is going to lose your life. That's it. And now the ability to raise your children, the ability to, t- to serve your deen, the ability to be a good positive influence in the world is no longer going to be there. So the person, when he gets angry and hurt when you see oppression in the world, that is the proper response for any type of oppression. Be it Muslim against Muslim, Christian against Muslim, Muslim against Christian, Jew against Muslim, Muslim against Jewish. Whatever it is. Oppression of any sort is not acceptable. But when a person sees that, you might not always be able to do something. But at the least is that you need to feel upset and angry about it. And then you need to channel that in appropriate direction. And so, we've been speaking about it. May Allah give me tawfiq and all of us to do what we're supposed to do. Part of that is, of course, political involvement, making phone calls, writing letters, putting pressure on people who actually can do things. Calling the Muslim ambassadors of Muslim countries to this country. And then calling our own uh, rep- uh, uh, representatives in the government. A thousand, two thousand, five thousand phone calls. That's, that's there. We can do that. And number two, is raising awareness within not just politicians, but influential people at work, influential people in the business community, people who donate to different campaigns, letting them hear the opposite side, the other side of the story, which they absolutely don't know. They have no idea. Honestly, they have, those type of things don't even come on their Facebook feed and their Twitter feed because they're only looking at one thing, so the algorithm just sends to them certain things. They don't see the other side. So they have no idea what's going on. MashaAllah, I was very pleased to hear from a professor here at COD that they had a, um, a whole seminar and workshop or seminar symposium on the uh, current uh, you know, <clears throat> crisis. And it was a very well attended. And there were four panelists. And the brother told me all four panelists were Jewish. I was like, what? All four panelists Jewish? What about the Palestinian side? He said, you'll be surprised. He said, all four were Jewish. But he said, subhanAllah, all four of them spoke with such... Yani wisdom and such a proper understanding of the situation on behalf of the, of the Palestinian side. Isn't that amazing? Right? SubhanAllah. So you're seeing this, you know, the tide is changing. People are actually, you know, standing up and seeing these things. So um, I think that is a big part of it. Number two, you want to know what to do? Start coming for Fajr and Isha. Start coming, fill up. Fill up the masjid. If we can't fill up the masjid for salah, well honestly, what, what are you going to do man? You can't do anything else. The key thing is start coming to the masjid. We haven't, I keep on saying, we haven't increased a single stuff for Fajr yet. We haven't increased a single stuff for Isha in the past five weeks. We are where we are. 
that stagnation has to end. And so we, I promise you, you're never going to be part of Mahdi's army if you can't make it to Salah. I guarantee you that. If you can't make it to Salah, you're not going to be of anything besides being the army of shaitan. So make a start coming to the masjid regularly. If you come for Fajr, then don't, if in your work starts a little bit later, please stay for 10 minutes. Read Quran. Do some dhikr and make dua. If your work starts immediately, then stay back after Isha. Stay for 10 minutes. Stay for 5 minutes. Do some dhikr. Pray to Rakat extra Salatul Haja. Fast on Mondays and Thursdays. The fasts are the shortest that there are going to ever be in the entire year right now. 12 hour fast. Right? We can fast every single day. And then at the end of iftar time, make dua. Read Quran, give sadaqah, and dedicate the reward to the people of Palestine and all those who are oppressed across the globe. Sadaqah jariyah for them. Isalat thawaf for them. These are all the ways that we can. Use this opportunity to say, Ya Allah, I'm going to give up riba for the people of Gaza. And give the reward for this. I want, I want to say, Ya Allah, I want the reward of me giving up interest to go to the people of Gaza. I want the reward of me stopping watching haram and listening to music to the, go to the people of Gaza. I want the reward of me getting out of a haram relationship to go to the, to the people of Gaza. Like that. We repent from major sins and minor sins that we may be involved in. Dedicate ourselves to the ibadah and the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then give this reward to the people. Isal al-Thawab. Donate it, the reward to that. You'll get the ajr, of course, you know that. You'll get the ajr yourself. But it will be a sadaqah jariyah for them as well. Okay, if, is it immoral to live in a country where our taxes are funding the genocide of our brothers and sisters Gaza? If our one is financially able, should they move? I'm answering these questions because I know this is on your, this is on your mind. It's got 12 thumbs up. This is the top question, right? That's a good thing about Slido is you can promote the questions that, to the top of what you all are, are um, uh, passionate about knowing the answer. So um, the answer to that is there's a lot of oppressive taxes uh, everywhere. You know, honestly, subhanAllah, my beloved brothers, what hurts us, what's happening in this country hurts us. But I don't know if it hurts, this hurts you, or it hurts you more to see our own Muslim lands, our own Muslim countries, who right now, while all of this is happening, uh, you don't know the news, maybe you do know the news, but if you look at what type of things are happening in the most blessed of lands, the party is on. It's like the party is on. Nothing. There are people that say, please, can you stop the party? Can you stop the rave parties right now with all this happening? Nope. They honestly said the rave parties will continue. The bars will be open and everything will be happening. Business as usual. To the extent in one country, they said because of the boycott that a certain restaurant, that, you know, a certain restaurant is receiving the backlash of boycotts. Got it? The government is actually now partnering up with that specific restaurant in order to promote them and is, is paying, I think, like a, uh, you buy one meal, we'll give you half another meal for free. Imagine that they're partnering up with that because we say we feel bad for the losses that you're incurring due to the boycott of the Muslims who are becoming emotional. So I don't know about you, I would feel more angry or more upset of living in a country that I would call Muslim and is doing these type of things. Here we have our taxes. Yes, our taxes are not doing something haram today. They've always been using different things all over the world, all the world. Not just today. Where, what, about, what about the past three decades? Where have we been the past two decades? Right? Every single thing that has happened overseas. So we will look at the bigger picture. The level of deen that you and I have. Can I sit like this in a Muslim country? In most of the Middle East, can I sit like this? The answer is what? You guys don't know? You know. Can you? Of course you can, my friend. Ishaf, sunnah with her done, get out. Lock, 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 yalla, yalla, move. That's it. You can't even sit and talk. Can you sit in the parking lot? No. 
You can't sit and talk, chit chat. You think you can have chai and sit down and have wings today? We got wings too, mashallah. Chai and wings? No. Go, get your own wings and fly away from here. That's what they'll say. SubhanAllah, so the freedom practicing deen that we have here, may Allah keep it like this. Say Ameen. And that's why we are firm believers that inshallah, deen will rise from here and go to the east. Right? Deen from here will go spread across the globe. And the people, not only immigrants, but the people of this land will accept Islam inshallah and they'll spread the deen like they have in the past. So I think, honestly, we are in a very good position here to practice deen. But now if we stay here and we still do not use these freedoms to practice our deen, then there's no one to blame besides ourselves. So these are, of course, uh, you know, questions. Allah knows best the appropriate answer. I shared with you what I thought was right. I hope if I said something beneficial it was from Allah and Allah accepted it. If I said something wrong, may Allah forgive me for that. I want to quickly make some announcements and we'll complete, co- conclude with dhikr and dua. Um, please uh, make note of this, take a picture of this. Inshallah, Friday, December 1st, a uh, little less than two weeks from now, we have, alhamdulillah, our uh, first monthly seminar after a long time. And this is a really important um, uh, seminar for all brothers and sisters that are, you know, have money, all of us who have a job, who are trying to make sure. You talk about taxes. You're, bu- you're worried about paying your yearly taxes. What about you leaving, an, you're leaving after your death, your business, and your assets? Because of you not properly planning it out, you leave 30% of your assets in taxes. There are people like that. Not some people. Many people like that. Because of them not having their wills written out properly, and because of their estate going to probate court, millions of dollars are going in taxes. And that's the foolishness of our Muslim community. I want you all to learn and listen from this. What we have learned is that we have no friends in the, in, in the political spectrum. No one. No one's our friend. We have to stand on our own feet. Number two, we shouldn't expect financial handouts from anyone. We have to become financially strong ourselves. And that is something which we're not doing. We're becoming financially strong as individual families. But as a community, we're not becoming financially stronger. What this seminar is, is, is aimed at doing inshallah is to teach all the attendees of how we can work on planning our, before death comes, before sudden death comes, planning our wills in such a manner that it is more profitable and beneficial for our children and the ones who we leave behind, our heirs. And it is more, it is, helps us save taxes. It minimizes our, our, reduces the chance of our, our wealth or our estate going to probate court. And additionally, allows us to leave a sadaqa jariya as a legacy by supporting institutions of all sorts, all different different types of institutions. We see the Jewish community has done a great job. We should learn from them of how they've been able to, with a small percentage, been able to become so financially strong that just in one fundraiser, they, they are, just in Miami, I just read, one night they raised 10 million for IDF. Friends of IDF raised 10 million one night. Right? How does that happen? How is that? Because they have money. But that money is being used. So we have to learn how to make money and then retain that money. And make sure when we pass away that we don't lose it all. Right? So I want you all inshallah to attend this. Hafiz Yasir is an estate planning lawyer who's written a book on this that is used by lawyers across the country as well on estate planning. And he will be also speaking at Team Fajr. He is an imam in Arizona. He is a Hafiz al-Quran as well. So he'll be speaking on Team Fajr the next morning as well, um, December 2nd. Uh, on a, a follow-up to this discussion with Q&A on wills and so forth. That's one thing. Number two, inshallah, we have our winter intensive coming up. If you can see it, please take a picture of it or 
right? So we'll have flyers outside as well. Um, if you look, can you all read it? Or is it too small? Oh, it's actually very clear. Right? Alhamdulillah. You can see the winter intensive is December 23rd to 25th over Christmas weekend. And this is for the entire community. Men, women, children, youth, college students from across the country are all welcome to join us. This year's topic is on contemporary fiqhi questions. Look at this. Spousal support and child custody. All right. Muslim encounters with European modernity. Historical origins of controversies. Uh, bid'ah versus sunnah. Um, theological explora- exploration of takfir. How far is too far? When does a person actually become a disbeliever and when does he not? Right? Islam in the workplace. Medicine as a case study. Sharia compliant earning. Financials, financing and investing. Right? Riba in contemporary times. Halal or haram. United Eid in the United States. Challenges and solutions. Communal consideration. A path to overcoming differences in Muslim America. Uh, significance of halal consumption. Uncovering the meat industry. The need for Zabiha certification. All sorts of topics that most people sit and discuss at different parties. But unfortunately don't have much knowledge to discuss it about. So we have inshallah this outstanding three-day workshop taking place. And of course, the topics for the children will be relevant to that age group. So I encourage all of you to please immediately put in your calendars. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday during the holidays. Invite your family and friends across the country. We have two Muslim-owned hotels across the street that you can get a special discounted rate to rent or book your hotels from. We we are looking forward to receiving students from, inshallah, different parts of the country. Last but not least, inshallah, is our um, banquet that's taking place just about 20 days from now. Uh, You've been hearing about it, I'm sure. We're looking for businesses to allow us to invest in. Uh, We talk about divesting from certain businesses, right? Divesting from certain businesses. What are you going to do with that? Invest it back into the Muslim business. We want to make sure all of the Muslim businesses of our Chicagoland community are connected. And so any Muslim here who wants to Spend money in a Muslim business, a plumber, a, 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 a dentist, a carpet cleaner, a fabric maker, uh, a, a laundromat, whatever it is. He says, I want to make sure I'm going to drive an extra mile to go support a Muslim business. Isn't that what we should be doing? So this is what I'm asking all of you to do. If you know a Muslim business out there, and many Muslim business owners are sitting here, please reach out. This is the once in a year only opportunity where we partner up with Muslim businesses to become sponsors of our event. This year what we'll be doing different, besides showcasing your business at the dinner in front of 1,250 individuals from across the Chicagoland area, we will be sharing our booklet on a periodic basis through WhatsApp and through our email, as well as on our website. So every month or so, we will be sharing those ads again and again throughout the entire year. That these are Muslim businesses that support the masjid and the seminary. We want you to support them and invest your money with them. So if you know any Muslim business out there, please reach out to me or any one of us. Email the masjid, text message the masjid number that you see over here. Second thing, please purchase your family tickets on the way out. There are QR codes there. There's young youths, uh, boys who are trying to sell the tickets, sisters, and um, you can see there's QR codes in the lobby as well. Or just scan this, what you see right here. And uh, we are uh, uh, trying our best to get ourselves sold out, inshallah, before the dinner so that we don't have to worry about last minute. Uh, This year's project, besides supporting our endowment fund to help take care of the um, overhead at Darussalam of, mashallah, over 100 part-time and full-time staff members. Alhamdulillah, a growing number, 550 students studying here every single day, mashallah. And we have about uh, three quarters of a million dollars given out in scholarship every single year. And that number continues to increase. Because we have a policy of not only no child left behind, inshallah, no adult left behind as well. So anyone who cannot study, who cannot afford, alhamdulillah, they are taken care of. 
So endowment fund is to support all of those costs. That's where our fundraising one portion go. And the other capital project that we have for this year is that this final piece of land that's already been purchased, the used car lot, we are now redoing the entire parking lot from having about 425, is it 425 or 415 uh, official parking spots going to, inshallah, about 1,100 parking spots, official parking spots. So that will be almost tripling our capacity, uh, which is very much needed in Jummah, in workshops, seminars, um, retreats, and of course in Ramadan. So uh, please uh, definitely try your best to attend the dinner and donate generously to this year's project. Hopefully with everyone's participation, we can have the, this new project completed soon. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept everyone's patience and everyone sitting here. May Allah reward all those who generously donate uh, food and tea and all of, uh, and the, and their khidmah here. Um, uh, uh, may Allah put all our tafsir and all listeners benefit. May Allah put in their book of deeds. All those who are volunteering here and supporting this program every single week. Additionally, there's books, uh, there are some chosen books outside. So as you sip your tea and enjoy your um, snacks there, please do visit the bookstall. And there is a downpour of blessings is a book I would promote to, for each one of you to bring to your houses. Purchase that book and start reading at home with your wife and your kids. Right? That is a very important book that we should do ta'aleem of at home. It's a beautiful selection of a hadith. Very nice translation in English and explanation take-home points. Nothing complicated and it is very comprehensive. It just came out, released a few months ago. A few, yeah, a few months ago. So it's two volumes and it's available there amongst many other great books that alhamdulillah that are provided. Let's come close together inshallah for a few minutes of dhikr and dua. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 La ilaha La ilaha illallah 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام وتبارك في هذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كوفوا احد اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعزه التي لا ترام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امرنا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين وانصرنا على القوم المجرمين وانصرنا على القوم الفاسقين واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا انت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا لا تجعلنا فتنه للقوم الظالمين ونجنا برحمتك من القوم الكافرين اللهم يا حي يا قيوم ربنا لا قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا أفرغ علينا الصبر وتوفنا مسلمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا إننا سمعنا مناديا ينادي للإيمان ينآمن بربكم فآمنا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسولك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخرف الميعاد اللهم رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة اللهم رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة اللهم رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة لا إله إلا أن سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أن سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أن سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين رب إني مغلوب فانتصر رب إني مغلوب فانتصر رب إني مغلوب فانتصر رب إني مغلوب فانتصر سيهزم الجمع ويولون الدبر سيهزم الجمع ويولون الدبر سيهزم الجمع ويولون الدبر فإن تولوا فقل حسبي الله لا إله إلا هو حسبي الله لا إله إلا هو حسبي الله لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم 
اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصمة أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا وأصلح لنا آخرتنا التي فيها معدنا واجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر اللهم ارحم أمة محمد اللهم تجاوز عن أمة محمد اللهم أكرم أمة محمد اللهم انصر أمة محمد اللهم يا حي قيوم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين واحفظ الإسلام والمسلمين وانصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر من نصر دين محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم واجعلنا منهم واخذل من خذل دين محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ولا تجعلنا معهم اللهم إنا نجعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم إنا نجعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم إنا نجعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم إنا نجعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم إنا نسألك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم جعل القرآن العظيم ربيع قلوبنا وجل أحزاننا وذهاب همومنا وغمومنا وسائقنا إلى جناتك جنات النعيم اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرض المسلمين اللهم اشف شفاء كاملا دائما عاجلا مستمرا نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرض المسلمين oh Allah we ask you to accept this gathering oh Allah accept all of us who are listening in person or online on those who will listen afterwards Ya Allah make us amongst the chosen ones who are connected with the Quran who live with the Quran and die with the Quran whose hearts hold the meanings and the teachings of the Quran whose lives are an embodiment of the Quran Ya Allah whatever we have shared and said today or in the past do not make it a proof against us but rather make it a proof for us oh Allah please we ask you Allah do not allow what we are hearing and sharing Ya Allah to be mere words that we hear from one year out the other year or mere words that we share and we leave and move forward but Ya Allah save us Ya Allah from leading a two-faced life oh Allah allow our life of public to be beautiful but our but allow our private life to even be better oh Allah allow our external aspects of our life to be great but allow our internal aspects to be better oh Allah allow us to ya Allah walk and talk the Quran and allow us to live by the Quran by day and by night especially in the times of anger and especially in the times of dispute allow us to be able to follow the deen in totality oh Allah even when the Quran and Sunnah are seemingly making a judgment against us oh Allah allow us to always be from amongst those who uphold the truth Oh Allah, save us from ever rejecting any verse of the Qur'an and any teaching of your Prophet ﷺ. Ya Allah, make us and our children and our progeny and our spouses and our parents and our siblings from amongst those who have absolutely 100% conviction in every verse of the Qur'an, in every teaching of the Prophet ﷺ, and in the rulings of the fuqaha and the jurist. Oh Allah, save us from falling into doubts. Save us from falling to temptations of our desires. Oh Allah, save us from being misled by all those who are shayateen from the humans and the shayateen from the jinn. Ya Allah, we ask you to protect us, protect our health, protect our wealth, protect our iman, protect our homes, protect our families. Oh Allah, protect the Muslim ummah, wherever they may be. Protect the oppressed ones, whomever they may be. Ya Allah, we ask you to allow your unseen, Ya Allah, angels, and your unseen forces of protection to descend and save and help the oppressed ones, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to heed to the call of the distressed ones. Oh Allah, heed to the call of the, of, of the orphans and of the widows and of the widowers. And Ya Allah, the tortured ones and those who've lost their limbs. Not one, not two, but all four. Oh Allah, those who have, Ya Allah, been critically injured. Oh Allah, have mercy upon the newborns who are being killed and the newborns who are being burnt. Oh Allah, we have asked you, Ya Allah, the youngest child of 
of Gaza, the youngest Hafiz of Gaza, six year old in three months. Ya Allah, Hafiz al-Quran was shaheed with his entire family last week. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to accept the shahada of these thousands of people. And oh Allah, we ask you to grant shifa to all those who are wounded. Oh Allah, without medication, without any hospital, Ya Allah, none can cure them besides you. We ask you to allow them to not feel the pain that they would normally feel, Ya Allah, through their wounds. Oh Allah, we ask you to give them, to continue to give them resilience, continue to give them strength, continue to give them power. Oh Allah, continue to give them the ability to not only pray for themselves, but pray for the entire sleeping ummah. Oh Allah, through the barakah of their dua, allow all of us to start filling up our masajid. Through the barakah of their dua, make it easy for us to become punctual for Salatul Fajr. Through the barakah of their dua, allow us to leave our beds at night and to spend a few minutes in front of you, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, through the barakah of their dua, allow us to start dressing appropriately. Allow us to bring haya in our dressing. Oh Allah, allow us to bring modesty in our lives. Life. Oh Allah, allow us to bring pure, clean language to our tongue. Oh Allah, allow us to bring, Ya Allah, purity to our eyes and to our ears. Oh Allah, through their cries and to, through their pleas, we ask you to allow us to remove haram from our businesses, remove haram from our ears and our eyes and our minds and our hands and our, fo- and our relationships, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, through their pleas and their cries, bring sunnah into our homes, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, awaken the sleeping ummah, Ya Allah. Awaken the sleeping ummah, Ya Allah. Allow all the dini institutions and the dini programs to be filled up, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we see today every single gathering of haram and every useless, Ya Allah, social gathering is packed with people. Oh Allah, yet the masajid and dini gatherings and dini institutions are struggling for attendance. Ya Allah, allow these conditions to wake up the Muslim ummah, Ya Allah. Allow the young and the old, Muslim and non-Muslim to wake up, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow them to come in, in hordes and allow them to come in huge, large numbers towards Islam, Ya Allah. Allow all of this to become a revival of Islam, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, the garden of Islam has all always been irrigated by the blood of the Muslims. Oh Allah, allow this irrigation process that is happening now to bring a beautiful green spring for the Muslims, Ya Allah. Allow it to bring a green spring for Islam across the globe, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow millions of non-Muslims as well as Jewish people, Ya Allah, to start seeing the beauty of Islam and allow them to be guided with Islam, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow even the oppressors to be guided with Islam. Allow the oppressors to even be guided with Islam. Oh Allah, the Prophet ﷺ made dua for even the worst enemies, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to guide them and give them hidayah. Oh Allah, if any hidayah is not meant for the oppressors, then we ask you to remove them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant always victory to the truth over falsehood in this world. And of course, most definitely, you'll grant them victory in the hereafter. But allow the, the eyes that, are, that are, are, are yearning to see the victory of truth over falsehood in this world, allow them to be able to witness that as well, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, safeguard the youth of the, of the iman of the youth, Ya Allah. All those who've left Islam, bring them back, Ya Allah. All those who are on the verge of leaving Islam, strengthen them, save them from the waswas of shaitan and nafs, ya Allah. Oh Allah, whoever amongst us has made a specific request for dua, oh Allah, there's a brother who's making dua for his daughter. Oh Allah, all of ours, our daughters, ya Allah, and sons who have completed reciting the Quran or who have not yet completed, whatever the case may be, ya Allah, we ask you to allow our children to go far beyond us, ya Allah. I'll grant them success in this world and the next, ya Allah. Protect their iman, protect their chastity, protect their, protect their faith, ya Allah. Oh Allah, protect their property, Ya Allah. Allow their future to be beautiful, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask You, Allah, reward our parents and our teachers for all that they have given us. And those of us whose parents are alive, allow us to serve them. Those who passed away, allow their qabr and graves to be filled with nur, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow us to continue such good deeds that will become a means of sadaqah jariah for them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask You, whoever has asked us to pray for them, is expecting us to pray for them, we ask You to grant them the best of both worlds. Ya Allah, we ask You to protect this masjid and all masjid, this madrasa and all madaris. Oh Allah, and the volunteers and the 
the musallis of this masjid and all other masajid. Oh Allah, the patrons and the well-wishers of this masjid and all other masajid. Oh Allah, the students and their families and the staff and their families of this madrasa and all other madaris. We ask you, Allah, to protect them, Ya Allah, from any and all evil, Ya Allah. Grant all of us strength, Ya Allah. Whatever, whatever evil effects of hasad and sihr and nadar, any one of us or extended families or any aspect of this masjid and this madrasa may be suffering from. Ya Allah, we ask you through your infinite power to destroy these evil effects, Ya Allah. To destroy these evil effects, to destroy these evil effects and grant your special protection, Ya Allah. Allow this to become a true Darus Salaam, a true place of peace, a true place of peace, Ya Allah, where whoever comes in finds safety and security. Oh Allah, whatever khayr and good the Prophet ﷺ had asked you of, grant us all that good. Whatever shar and evil the Prophet ﷺ had sought refuge in you from, oh Allah, we ask you to grant us refuge from all of that. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Amin, Amin, Amin. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatihi ya rahman rahimin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.